Welcome to the Intuitive Therapist Podcast with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as the angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all. This is Janice Cohen, the intuitive therapist here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. One of the most influential books I have ever read is by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. I've talked about this book before, but I want to emphasize it, well, rather re-emphasize it today. It completely changed my life because it helped me do one thing, become conscious of my resistance so that when resistance showed up, I could use it and move through and get done what I needed to get done. A number of years ago, I found myself going to my office only when I had clients. The rest of the time I was doing who knows what, but I surely wasn't working on my business, my book, networking, developing my brand, or any other pursuit of real professional value. And I had convinced myself that I was really working my business if I showed up and had really good sessions with my clients. My reward for having a few sessions a day uh, was to take the rest of the day off simply because I had convinced myself that I could. I was my own boss. I could do whatever I wanted to. I still am. I reported to no one except myself. And that felt liberating because I really don't like authority. Yet, the buck started and stopped with me. The time I took off as a reward for a few hours' work may have given me time to relax, but deep in my heart, I knew that I was cheating myself out of a lot. I wasn't doing what I could have been doing to build a bigger business or earn what I could have potentially earned if I had just made better use of my time. But my tendency wasn't to have a structure that I stuck to. I realized that structure didn't feel good to me. And there was a reason for that. Structure meant that I had to do something. And outside of structure that I created when I scheduled clients, I really had no game plan. There were so many things that I could see myself doing. Speaking in front of large crowds, which I love. Uh, writing books. Teaching classes. Growing my business. Learning more. Yet, I really did a very, very minimal amount of all of that. Once I read this book, though, I could no longer escape acknowledging the truth of what I had been practicing for much of my career. I was sabotaging the shit out of myself for one single reason. I was scared to show up and play big. Whether it's better health, losing weight, finishing school, writing that book, creating that business, fixing that relationship, or anything else that a person would want to accomplish, there's one bottom line to whether or not a person will. And this is it. You're either committed and all in, or you're just interested and come up with detours and excuses. The book, The War of Art, changed my life in more ways than I can count, and it got me seated in my avoiding behavior, got me connected to it. 
It got me connected to my anxiety, my insecurities, my fears, my doubts, enough to make me think twice before I got off task. The book is small and short. It is part uh, one of part of three series books that speaks to a person's ability to become great by achieving and befriending the deadliest of poisons that kill success, resistance. If you haven't gotten the books, please stop this recording and go to Amazon and order all three of them and let me know how they impact your life. I would love to hear. Again, the author is Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Pressfield, P as in Paul, R-E-E, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, F as in Frank, I-E-L-D. The War of Art, Turning Pro, and Doing a Work. I think that's what the last one's called. The title for today's episode is Self-Sabotage. And I bring up resistance because that is a key factor in why a person doesn't achieve what they say they want to. Because resistance shows up in so many ways, and it is so stealth, it can be hard to notice it as we move through our day. Look, we all have to do laundry, dishes, clean up the house, shuffle through bills, and finish the unfinished episode on Netflix show that we were watching last night, call all our friends back, Check out social media for the latest posts before we can get to what we need to do, right? Everyone does that stuff, but why? Why do we resist doing the things we know we need to or that we even want to to do that are in the highest best interest so that we could check it off on our list? What is the reason? The feelings of angst that I shared with you before were very real for me, and to some degree, I still struggle to stay on task. I'm still on that learning curve, and some days for me are better than others. After reading the book, The War of Art, though, I could help, uh, I could, couldn't help but begin to see, hear, feel, and know the moment that the thought entered my mind to start doing something else other than what I knew I needed to do. I begin to see, hear, feel, and know resistance in a very, very different way. I got to understand self-sabotage. She, resistance, is my constant companion. She is a tough teacher and an even tougher opponent when it comes to me doing what I need to do some days. But we've changed how we do the self-sabotage dance, she and I. She might show up and ask me to follow her to the dance floor, but more often than not, I tell her, no, thank you. I've got work to do. She knows now not to bother me again, but boy, does she try hard. We formed an alliance, though, rather than a hatred for one another, a competition. That shift, that one decision I made to really get to know resistance has changed my life. She shows up invites me to dance or to go get a snack, to watch TV, to scroll mindlessly through social media. And I say simply, my dear, I have work to do. Let's get together when I'm done. Self-sabotage is an action that gets in the way of our intent. On a diet, well, one cookie won't hurt at that company party. Need to meet a deadline? Oh, well, 
I'll just wait a little. I'll do it later. I'll do it after I watch the show. I need to clean out my closet first. I'll call that potential client back after I go to lunch with my friend for a few hours. We self-sabotage in countless ways. We waste time to avoid doing something. We procrastinate. We use substances. We overeat. These are the most common forms of self-sabotage and some of the most powerful because they're subtle. In one way or another, you make a choice subtly to alter your mind so you don't have to deal with what you need to. The challenge with these subtle behaviors is that for the moment, they might seem to make you feel better, like there's a payoff, and we can escape what we really know we need to do. But we all know that when we try to outrun our fears, anxieties, insecurities, they find a way to catch up with us and make our fears, anxieties, and insecurities boundlessly greater. When you self-sabotage, you trade one thing for another, like making a deal with the devil or selling your soul to gain something you think you want and need. No one ever felt better for selling themselves out, that's for sure. I know I haven't. They are always haunted by the fact that they tried to take the shortcut and the easy way out to get what they wanted. But in the back of their minds, probably like yours and mine, they know the initial feeling of skirting themselves will catch up to them, but the immediate relief convinces them that they're doing this fine. You could, you could get away with that. Why do we undermine ourselves in these ways? Why do we do it over and over and over again when we know that the consequences are far more painful than the immediate pain relief, the immediate anxiety relief, the immediate reward for cheating ourselves out of a sense of true accomplishment? Today, I'm going to talk about several reasons why we undermine ourselves and lean into self-sabotage. And I would imagine that some of these will resonate with you. Maybe you can come up with some additional ones. But for now, let me just share these few with you. The first is around deservingness of success and fear of failure. Sometimes we feel like our ideas are far too fabricated to bring them into fruition, Maybe we grew up with parents who lived with a poverty mindset and raised us to believe that we weren't capable of much more than what they achieved. Maybe we've had experiences where our perceived failures, perceived failures, remember that, felt humiliating and we coveted that feeling instead of seeking ways to overcome that momentary sense of embarrassment. Maybe we're too afraid to go bigger, to try something new, or be seen in the public eye so much so that we play small to avoid having to do things that touch our greatness. Whatever demons you have around success and failure, and whether or not you deserve the most amazing and magical life possible, that's controlling you. That is your driver. To suppress that. To suppress feeling all of that. Some of the most driven people some of the most successful people make tons of money, have all the fame, all the material wealth, all the outward success. Yet they feel haunted by a worn out belief that they keep alive about who they are at the core, which is very much less than what they show the public they are. I have worked with millionaires, multimillionaires, who have been dirt poor when they were grown up. 
They'll always fear that they'll end up back there. And no matter how rich they get, no matter what, how many material things they accumulate, they can never ever feel that what they have earned is enough and will help them create a sense of safety and security. They can never trust themselves enough to be safe. Are you trying to make up for some perceived personal flaw that haunts you when you procrastinate? When you self-sabotage? You see, there's enough for everyone in the world. It's the law of attraction. Each person can achieve greatness when they think a certain way about themselves in their life. If you don't believe me, pick up the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles. The book was written in the early 1900s and is, is as applicable today as it was then. To develop a sense of deservedness, one must focus only on the vision of what they want to achieve and then let nothing stand in their way of achieving it. It is through daily action that you can shift from not feeling worthy to a significant sense of worthiness. Create a vision. Believe with all your heart that you will achieve it and then take daily action in the direction of your dreams. That is how all demons are fought and all wars are won. The second reason is control. We control what we believe we can. If you feel that you can't control or handle success, then failure, failure will be much more easier to manage, right? Most people don't feel success long-term, or at least they feel like they don't experience it long-term. Most people have had a taste of success, but can't sustain it because they don't believe they have what it takes to repeat it. The reality is that everybody is capable of a sustained success in even the most mundane of tasks. When people self-sabotage their success, most will say that they already know what it feels like to fail, so the familiarity is much more welcome to them and therefore much more repeatable and doable. But when we achieve small wins each day, no matter what they are, they build up within us and create the different kind of internal leverage that allows us to play bigger and take more calculated risks in our highest and best interest. You may not be able to control anything outside of yourself. And in truth, you can't control jack shit outside of yourself. But you can surely control how much and how often you support or undermine yourself. Make it a conscious practice to notice when you do it and then immediately course correct. Third reason, imposter syndrome. I believe everyone at one time or another understands what it feels like to be a fraud or at least believe themselves to be a fraud at some point. We're told to fake it until we make it, right? And in many instances, that does work because it pushes us to learn what we need to learn to embody what we pretend to be. But this is haunting. I remember years ago sitting in my therapist chair in my office, and I'd be working with clients and giving them some pretty amazing feedback, insights, and action steps with the exact same problem I was secretly struggling with, but had yet to solve on my own, let alone address. I was terrified that if anybody found out about my struggles that were the same ones they were struggling with, that they would do everything they could to shut my business down, that they would character assassinate. I was wrong, of course. 
every, uh, but it wasn't until I decided to kick my inner fraud to the proverbial curb that I rid myself of feeling like a fake. I literally started to do differently and that fraudulence could not survive. If you're haunted, if you're haunted by fraudulence in any part of your life, you will undoubtedly make the least amount of effort, stay under the radar, do just enough to survive, and find ways to distract yourself from what you need to do. So get right with yourself, my dear, no matter what it takes, so that you will only be haunted on Halloween rather than every moment of every day of your life. Reason number four, you choose consistently, uh, consistency over contentment. If you're used to feeling overwhelmed, overlooked, mistreated, exploited, unworthy, and negative about yourself, you are going to make sure you do things that reinforce those negative beliefs and experiences. Maybe you say to yourself, I know what it's like to be unhappy. At least that's predictable. Well, my friend, it doesn't have to be. Contentment is so much more peaceful than consistency, and it is even more rewarding. So how can you shift into contentment? Do things that allow you to feel good and to gain uh, and to, to develop self-respect. And I promise you, you will never settle for complacency again. That may be setting boundaries in your life. It may be uh, just adding one thing different in each day that you have. It changes up your uh, kind of autopilot schedule. Whatever it is that you can do that brings you a sense of contentment and peace, do that. And don't fake yourself out when you think that that uh, becoming more accustomed to uh, unhealthy habits, unhealthy relationships, and things uh, doing things that get you nowhere, kind of running around in circles, don't get used to that. You won't get anywhere. Number five, you don't have a big enough why. Any successful person will tell you that they were driven by a single reason, one thing. And most of them will tell you that they were pushing so hard in their lives to be successful because they actively wanted to make sure that they avoided feeling pain, period. Whether it's from their past, their recent past, or in anticipated pain. Remember those multimillionaires that I mentioned before? They all had a massive pain point that they were willing to do whatever it took to never be in that kind of pain and vulnerability again. When you have a big enough reason why you want to achieve something, things inside you shift. And it's as if you have to achieve what you set out to achieve because not doing it is more painful than making mistakes along the way to success. We sabotage ourselves only because we aren't willing to take an honest look at our lives and the faulty beliefs that we have about ourselves. Isn't it time that you peek in the mirror or rather stand in front and look into your own eyes for as long as it take, takes to find out what the amazing human being really wants out of life that stands in front of you? I think so. Get that book in the books by Stephen Pressfield. First one is called The War of Art. It will change your life, I hope, and how you approach what matters to you. And you can thank me later. I wish you a blessed day a wonderful week, and as always, live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist. 
If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.